All right, so today we continue with part two of our series that is based on Elizabeth Talbot's book, Revelation, the Fifth Gospel. And as I told you last week, if you stick with me through this series, at the end of it, in that seventh sermon, I want to put a copy of that book in each one of your hands. And then the very next Sabbath, she will actually be here to present. She's going to have three seminars in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And for those of you that maybe aren't familiar with Elizabeth Talbot and Jesus 101 Ministries and her work, I'm hoping that this sermon series will give you a glimpse into what she is about. And so last week, we looked at the unveiling of Jesus in the last chapter of God's story of redemption and how that ties into the theme of revelation. That was last week. But today, we are going to focus on the theme of assurance. I don't know what I just did. Okay, I'm back. (laughs) This theme of assurance. And through a better understanding of the Lamb, who is the Alpha and the Omega. And just spoiler alert, the Lamb is Jesus. The Alpha is Jesus is Jesus. The Omega is Jesus. This book of Revelation is about Jesus. And we talked last week how it's difficult if you understand the title of the book to miss the theme because it's right there. It's the in the Greek apocalypsis is the word that we have translated as revelation and it means literally an unveiling or a revealing. And the book is entitled, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's an unveiling or a revealing of Jesus Christ in his character, what he is about. God knows. I'm sure we've heard that term before attached to all sorts of different uh, sentences and, and concepts and ideas, but I want to talk this morning about the fact that God knows that one of the hardest places for us as humans to be is in between. In between. A place where we are neither here nor there. Deep within, we all have the need for assurance that everything is going to be okay. And we desperately long to know our final destination and have the assurance that we are going to reach it, that we are going to make it. And the trust is, the truth is that we all find ourselves living in this space called in between, in between. We're living between the already and the not yet. Jesus has paid the price, right, and is victorious. The kingdom of God is already among us, but he hasn't come for us yet. We're in the in-between. We are told that the end of sin and death is sure and that the earth will be recreated, but it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. We know the end, we've seen the beginning, but right now we are in the in-between. I find hope in the book of Revelation. Our scripture reading today told us that this is God speaking. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is one of the first pictures of Jesus 
that is revealed or unveiled by John. And in other words, you know, this verse is saying, hang in there, hang in there. I am the A and the Z. There is no way for you to miss the final destination as long as you stay connected to me. I'm the beginning and the end. There's absolutely no way to get lost in the in-between if you stay focused on me, if you follow me. That's what Jesus is saying here. Now, looking at Revelation, I mentioned it a little bit last week, but it might be confusing of Beatitudes. Why do we talk about Beatitudes? That's, that's a, a Gospel of Matthew thing, right? That's a Sermon on the Mount sort of thing. But really, a Beatitude is just a declaration of blessing, a declaration of blessing. And so most of you have heard about the Beatitudes there in Matthew chapter 5 at the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount. But not everyone knows that Revelation is also a book meant to bring blessings. That's a huge purpose of the book of Revelation. But sadly, I've witnessed countless times when well-meaning, yet I believe mistaken, apocalyptic evangelists promote fear through the study of Revelation. And so I just want to personally apologize on behalf of other ministers, other sermons that you have heard, that you have left a study of the book of Revelation feeling welled up with fear and anxiety, not knowing what to do with this information, and feeling that you have no hope and no assurance. Because that is a, a, an abuse and a misuse of this book and what it is truly about. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it, for the time is near. The reading of this verse is to be done audibly, right? This book was meant to be read in community, and everyone was invited to benefit from the blessing that it would bring. And I just love that we've got this verse And then the greeting that follows it, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Grace and peace. Two magnificent and beautiful and powerful words. John uses the word grace twice in the book of Revelation, to start and to end his book. So we find it in Revelation 1-4, but then we also find it all the way at the end in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 21. And I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we could all use a little more grace and peace in our lives, right? A little more grace and peace. And it's being offered to us through this book, this final book in the Bible. We could all use more of it especially when we find ourselves in between, right? Wondering where we are headed, what the future holds, and maybe we've even been mishandled by life. The blessings in this book, including grace and peace, had to be spread around as soon as possible. You know, that was John's goal. This is amazing. We got to get the word out. I'm not going to just sit on this. I want to share it. And so maybe this is why the first recipients of the, the, the unveiling of the victorious Jesus, the, the, the first 
individuals to hear this were located within seven churches in Asia. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And the route between these ancient cities, which it was about, you know, 50 miles between each church, it was shaped like a horseshoe. A horseshoe. Now, once again, these were actual churches that existed in literal Asia in the first century AD. And some scholars believe that these seven cities where the churches were located, they were important postal centers, important postal centers, each serving a large geographical area, a, a mail route, if you will. So I think that maybe John knew what he was doing when he wrote these letters to these specific churches. He was making sure the message and the blessings would spread. I mean, I know nowadays messages are usually disseminated you know, through the internet and through text and through email. But back then, if you wanted the word to get out, you sent a letter. You sent a letter. And that's exactly what John did. Now, I'm going to need you to use your holy imagination with me for a few minutes here. Because we're going to talk about multi-directional assurance. Multi-directional assurance. So I need for you to imagine three different arrows. One, two, three different arrows. This arrow pointing down represents the present. So the arrow pointing down represents the present. And this arrow pointing to the left represents the past. Yes, your left, not mine. That's correct, right? You guys see that as your left? Yes, okay. <laughs> Just, I racked my brain when I was putting this together, thinking, no, I'm doing it wrong. No, it, anyways. So the left represents the past, and then this right arrow, it represents the future. So we've got down is the present, left is the past, and or the right represents the future. Multi-directional assurance. So grace and peace are coming from God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus the Christ. And the identity of God is presented through a threefold directional assurance of his presence. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. So whether we're looking at the past or the present or the future, God is there. And this reminds me of one of the Psalms of David. Turn with me quickly, if you will, to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Sticking with this idea that, you know, no matter where you go, no matter where you're thinking, if it's future, present, or past, that God is there. Psalm 139 Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? You know, ask Jonah that question, right? <laughs> if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. I mean, David got this, right? This multi-directional assurance of God. No matter where your arrow is pointing, God's 
presence is there. His unchangingness and unwillingness to leave us alone is our assurance. You know, a few months ago, we looked at some of the parables of Jesus, right? The, The lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And in all three of those stories, we saw Jesus going after that which was lost, laying things aside and making sure he found the one who was lost. He doesn't give up. And I know that sometimes in in life, depending on the circumstance, when somebody won't give up, we can see it as awesome or we can see it as a nuisance. But I think when it comes to Jesus and our salvation, that his unwillingness to give up is a blessing, and it's the greatest blessing that any of us could ever receive, a God who doesn't give up on us. This is good news, right? Good news. The end of Revelation 1-5 turns its focus to this redeeming activity, and there we find this threefold, multi-dimensional assurance. To him who loves us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. To him who loves us. Did you get that? Did you hear that? God loves you. God loves you. And this present tense verb reminds us of the ongoing love of Jesus Christ for us right now and forever. He loves us and he keeps loving and loving and loving. And it's this first part of the verse that represents the present arrow, right? God loves us presently, right here, right now. Wherever you are in your life, whether you feel that you are a failure or whether you're starting to taste some success, God loves you right now where you are. But now let's look at the arrow pointing towards the past. The second part of that verse we just looked at will do the trick for us. To him who loves us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. In the Greek, the past tense of the verb to watch, to wash is called an aorist participle. You, did, did you catch that, Don? An aorist participle. Are you, having, are, are you having some PTSD hearing that? <laughs> it means a completed action in the past. That's all it means. It's a completed action in the past. So we have been washed clean in the past. It's already done. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You've been washed clean. It's already happened. There's assurance in that truth. And John reminds us that the judgment for those who believe in Jesus, it happened at the cross. It happened at the cross, what, what are you worrying about the judgment for? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that his sacrifice was sufficient for you? As messed up as you might be, as sinful as you might be, do you trust in yourself or do you trust in Jesus? We've been freed, we've been released, and we've been redeemed, washed clean. I wish that everyone who read the book of Revelation, this unveiling of Jesus, would have this assurance of salvation. You know, we spend so much of our Christian life worrying about the future and worrying if we're going to get into heaven. Stop looking at yourself. 
and look to Jesus. And when you look to Jesus and you realize his character and realize that he never gives up on the lost and he keeps chasing you, it should bring some assurance that you're going to be okay. Stop looking at yourselves and look to Jesus. Stop focusing on your sin and focus on grace. And you know what might happen? You'll start experiencing victory over sin. But what we tend to do is focus on the sin and try to fight against it and win over it. It's not your battle to win. The battle's been won. Are you going to be on the side of the victor? Accept him. Focus on him. And you'll realize that your life will start to transform. And all those changes you were fighting so hard for will start to happen because the Holy Spirit is coming into your life not because you're forcing yourself to do this or that. I mean, it's like a diet, right? When, you, when, when somebody goes on a diet and they take it to extremes and they're very strict and regimented, odds are that diet is going to fail. And when you fall off the wagon, you're going to go farther than you ever went before you got on to the wagon. Focus on Jesus. Let's not forget that in the past, on the cross, Jesus has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. You get that? I mean, let that sink in. He made us kings and priests. Jesus not only washed us, but he trusts us. He trusts us. He's put, it, put us into leadership positions. He's put us into positions to represent him. You don't ask somebody to represent you unless you trust them. Jesus loves us. Jesus washed us, and Jesus trusts us. But we've still got a third arrow, the arrow pointing to the future. Verse 7 gives us hope and assurance for the future. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. With words from Daniel 7.13 and allusions to Zechariah 12.10, we are shown the last page of human history. Jesus is coming back for us because he simply refuses to go through eternity without us. He's preparing a home for us, right? It's what the Bible says he's doing right now. He's not going to prepare a home just so he can look at it. He's preparing that home so that you and I can live there and enjoy it and be blessed in the assurance that God loves us. No matter where your focus is, whether the past, the present, or the future, there is assurance given to us by the Jesus of the book of Revelation. Revelation is a book of assurance, a book of assurance. I want to look briefly at Revelation 1, 13 through 16. Turn with me, if you would. I didn't put these verses up on the screen. Revelation chapter 1, the verses 13 through 16. We're going to peek at 17 and 18 too. But in the first chapter of Revelation, we, we, we find here a flamboyant, multifaceted description of Jesus that assures us not only of his presence in our lives, but of his ability to fulfill our every need. So let's look at this. 
And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as it refined in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. These descriptions are very meaningful because they're filled with symbols that point to various aspects of his person, of his character. For example, that two-edged sword that is coming out of his mouth, it represents the fact that Jesus' power is in his word. His power is in his word. We can see that at creation. We can see that all throughout the gospels when Jesus' words are spoken and they heal people, they change people's lives, and they're never the same again. If you read on, you will find that John becomes overwhelmed and scared. But then comes that beautiful exhortation, do not be afraid. Remember last week I shared that that exhortation appears more often than any other in the entire Bible. Do not be afraid. Jesus is powerful and mighty, yes, but he is on our side. He's on our side. This beautiful picture, this portrait of Jesus in Revelation 1, 13 through 18, will be highlighted again as the introduction of Jesus to each one of the seven churches includes sentences from these verses, this overall portrait. Jesus is everything to everyone. He is with us, and he fulfills each one of our needs no matter what we are facing today. And just in case anybody missed it, the introduction to Revelation ends with the assurance that I am, this is a, a name for God, I am was there at the beginning and he is there at the end. And he is everything in between. Everything in between. Therefore, we're never out of his sight. We're never out of his sight, and we are assured of reaching our final destination because of who he is, because of who he is, not because of who we are, not even because of what we know. It's because of who he is, who Jesus is. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 1.8. Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet, and omega is the last letter. Thus, Jesus is announcing that he is the A and the Z. The A and the Z. So whether you look to the past, whether you're focused on the present, or whether you're looking ahead to the future, he is there and he is the victor over the villain. This idea will be repeated over and over and over in this unveiling of Jesus. And just in case you missed it the first time around, God makes sure that this picture of Jesus is repeated in the closing chapter of the book. Revelation twenty-two thirteen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. 
I can assure you that any problem that you are facing in your life today is covered by Jesus. Do you believe it? Do you accept it? Whether your problem starts with an A or a Z or any other letter in between, Jesus is there with you through that problem. Whenever it seems like the devil is winning, you can say aloud, I've got nothing to fear. I've read the story and I know how it ends. If only the devil knew what I knew. If only he understood what I understand. Tell your fear to take a hike and let Jesus fill the very core of your soul. Jesus loves and trusts you. Because of his death and your acceptance of him, you are assured of your salvation. And as we close, I want to leave you with this. Insert your name into that blank. Insert your name into that blank. This is Jesus speaking to you right now. Dear, enter your name. Dear Lonnie, dear Rick, dear Jeannie, dear, put your name in there. Dear TJ, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. He's saying this to you. Do you hear it? Do you believe it? Do you accept it? And does your life show that you live it and believe it and accept it? Do not be afraid, I'm the first and the last. This is God's message to you. Take hope, take assurance, take Jesus. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for this unveiling of him and his character in the book of Revelation so that we can take hope, so that we can take assurance. And so that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry about the past and the mistakes that we've made. We don't worry about the present and not feeling sufficient enough. And we don't need to worry about the future if we're going to make it or not. Jesus is in our lives. Do we believe it? Do we accept it? Do we live it? Lord, I know that sometimes our faith can crumble. Sometimes we have moments of weakness and doubt. But Lord, shout to us through the noise of the world. Reach our hearts and remind us that you love us. You're preparing a place for us and that you are coming back to take us home. May we all find the assurance that we need today. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.